Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And we are back. A couple of great hours here as we talk about uh, one of my favorite prophets, the late Edgar Casey. Kevin Tedeschi back with us, executive director and CEO of the Edgar Casey's ARE Foundation, of course, and Atlantic University responsible for managing the day-to-day operations of the Edgar Casey organizations. He's been both a student and teacher of the Casey material for 40-plus years nationally recognized research on interpretation of dreams known for his ability to explain complex subjects in a easy to understand manner and kevin of course is popular for his insight and sense of humor as well as uh, books include contemporary casey and the one of course we're going to talk about tonight edgar casey on angels and the angelic forces kevin welcome back thanks George, for having me on the program looking forward to this how did you get interested in edgar casey how did that happen for you well, it really happened when I was at a uh, when I was still in high school. I went to a, a program for Boys State, which is you know the American Legion teaches about the government. And I was at the uh, uh, University of Colorado and went down to the bookstore during that program. And this was 1975, and Jess Stern had just written a book, not Sleeping Prophet, but his follow-up one, which was A Prophet in His Own Country: The Story of the Young Edgar Casey. And, and that book jumped out at me and. As soon as I got that book and read it, I said there and then, you know, someday I want to work at ARE. So that became my goal. And seven years later, when I graduated from college, I moved to Virginia Beach and have been here for the last 37 years. Well, what a great organization. You've done a tremendous job with it, Kevin. And uh, it's it's a great resource, too, for people who just want information on Edgar Casey, isn't it? It really is. And regardless of your field of inquiry or study, whether it's health or relationships or meditation or ancient mysteries or whatever it might be, uh, whether it's online or at our programs or our books, I think that the Casey information provides a leavening influence and a resource on all kinds of topics. Let's talk about Edgar Casey for a moment here, Kevin, for people who, the few who may not know who the guy was. Uh, absolutely. He uh, lived between 1877 and 1945, and uh, when he was 21 years old, he was really a traveling salesperson, and he developed laryngitis, which, you know, most of us have experienced laryngitis at least for a while, but his persisted. And if you're a traveling salesperson with laryngitis, pretty soon you're out of a job. So uh, he became a photographer and eventually would become an award-winning photographer. But uh, the laryngitis persisted. And although he was young, and when he was young, he had a couple of psychic experiences like... uh, he claimed he could sleep on school books and memorize their contents, and he talked about the fact that he could see and speak to his grandfather, who was deceased. But other than that, he had a normal life, and uh, he was at a hypnosis stage show in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, in 1901, and the hypnotist was asking for volunteers to come up, and some of his friends volunteered him, and he went up there, and he uh, told the hypnotist that he didn't think he could be hypnotized, but he thought he could put himself to sleep, and he did. And while asleep, he spoke normally. And later on, another hypnotist in town and a physician decided to try an experiment, and they had Edgar Casey put himself to sleep and describe what was wrong with him and how he could get well. And that really became the first reading, which happened in March 1901. And the doctor uh, who was there decided, you know, if he could do this for himself, maybe he could do it for other people. And from then on, Edgar Casey started giving readings, and we have copies of 14,306 readings, uh, most of which deal with uh, 
health, 9,000 deal with health. But then he mentioned a total of 10,000 different topics. He was, I would say, Kevin, pretty accurate, don't you think? Uh, he, was, he was extremely accurate. And even, even some of the things that he said that seemed far-fetched at the time, uh, as years have passed, have, have come to be true. When they were, uh, his two sons, who are now both deceased, they went back and looked at uh, all the readings that they could especially follow up on. And in terms of medical insights, it seemed like he had a, a 93% accuracy rate, which is even better than it, generally if you go to your doctor and you have a problem and they're trying to figure out what, what, what it is, 93% accuracy rate is just incredible. And keep in mind, he never saw most of these people. He would go to sleep, he would tune into wherever they were, outline uh, their problem and outline a regimen of treatment. And very often he could uh, even recommend doctors who lived near them uh, for them to go to. Didn't this ability eventually kill him because he just was exhausted all the time? Well, yeah. His own readings told him that it was it's basically was tuning into a higher level of vibration, and it recommended that he never give more than two a day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And in 1943, the, uh, his biography, There is a River, came out, written by Thomas Grew, and the same year, Cornet Magazine, which was kind of like the Life magazine of its day wrote an article on the Miracle Man of Virginia Beach and outlined some of the amazing cures he had come up with. And from then on, he was inundated with mail. In fact, the postman would deliver up to eight bags of mail a day and just drop them there on their porch. Jeez. And Casey told his secretary that he could walk by the bags and he could feel the people's pain. And he asked her to start booking ahead. And he started giving eight readings a day and eventually had a stroke, and when he finally died in January 1945, they were booked eight readings a day two years in advance. Were newspapers picking up on uh, his abilities as well? They were. The first one was the uh, New York Times in 1910, and they did a uh, full-page spread with the headline, Illiterate Man Becomes Doctor When Hypnotized. Uh, He wasn't illiterate, but it made for a better headline. And from then on, we have literally hundreds of copies of uh, newspaper articles over the years of, of what he was able to do. And th- the challenge for him was was that he, he was able to tune into people. He could describe what was wrong with them, that people would get a reading, they'd go to their doctor, because lots of times medical personnel was needed to carry out the treatment, and they'd say something like, you know, this guy I never met, uh, went to sleep on a couch and, uh, and outlined a regimen of treatment, and here's what I'm supposed to be doing about it. And Casey was recommending things like a change in diet, uh, attitudes and emotion changes. He, he drew from every school of medicine, from pharmacopoeia to surgery. But a lot of it was things today we would say are, are normal health-related things or uh, uh, treatments that were unusual for the time. And doctors were hesitant to carry out some of these treatments. And so Casey's dream was to build a hospital where he would give readings and regular physicians would carry out the treatment. And... Over and over again, when asked where should we build the hospital, it came up that Virginia Beach, Virginia, was the place for the hospital because it was on the East Coast, and the reading said his psychic ability would work better near large bodies of water, and that eventually uh, Virginia Beach would become one of the largest resort cities on the East Coast, and Norfolk, which is our next-door neighbor here, would become one of the largest seaports. And at the time... Uh, Norfolk was just a little podunk town, and Virginia Beach had 300 people in it. So huh. this, this was unusual. Today, Virginia Beach has half a million people in it. So it has become the largest city in Virginia, actually. 
Yeah, he's uh, he was a remarkable person. I would have loved to have interviewed him, Kevin. Uh, oh, yeah, he would have been great. He was a great storyteller. He was a great lecturer, I hear. I never heard him, but I've heard he, from people who were there. He was just a great speaker, uh, great personality. When he gave his readings, did he... Did he enjoy it, or was it work for him? Uh, well, it, when he gave his readings, I mean, it was part of his routine, and he didn't really know what he was saying because he had to put himself to sleep, which I can talk about in just a minute why he had to do that. But sure. he had to put himself to sleep, and so he was out generally for 45 minutes or so, and when he came to, he didn't really have any recollection of what he had said. So his secretary would transcribe what he had said, and he'd look it over, and and sometimes look it over. And he at first became concerned that he would prescribe something that could hurt someone, so he made a vow that he would continue to give readings as long as no one ever got hurt, and it, it just became his life's work because it was so helpful to people. Was he a likable guy? He was a likable guy. He, was a, uh, he loved to fish. He loved to sports. Uh, according to his son, Hugh Lin, uh, who I got to know and who has passed away. He loved to play golf, which he was a l- lousy player. He loved <laughs> to bowl. Uh, he loved to garden. Uh, great storyteller, a great Sunday school teacher. Uh, people just were drawn to him. He would come to New York sometimes and give lectures that were just booked, and people would uh, you know, file out of the building around the block trying to get in because it was so crowded. Why did he have to sleep in order to give his readings? Well, and it's actually for that same reason he came to Virginia Beach. According to Edgar Casey, he had, in his lifetime just prior to Edgar Casey, he had, he had been what he described as a ne'er-do-well named John Bainbridge, who was a uh, British soldier who had come over to the United States in the 1700s. Uh, he had been captured by Indians. He escaped, and he decided to become a... Uh, and he was, had a very heightened psychic ability, and he became kind of like a loner who used his psychic ability to gamble and pick up loose women. And Casey said that he had really misused that gift, and for that reason he had to come back to Virginia Beach, which was the same, near the same place he had landed at first landing as John Bainbridge to kind of uh, make up for it, and that every time he gave a reading this lifetime he had to put himself to sleep to set himself aside because his personality had gotten in the way as John Bainbridge and misused the gift. Amazing. Just just remarkable. And when when he died, uh, you said he had a stroke. Uh, what what eventually killed him? Was it the stroke? Well, it was the stroke, but he ha- he basically got water on the lungs after that and uh, essentially drowned. Oh, suffocated basically. Suffocated. Yeah, it was a slow, painful several days there at the end you would think that with his spirit guides and everything else that somebody would have saved him some entity would have just saved him well he had a a number of medical mishaps he went to a a a clinic that really made him worse in roanoke doesn't exist anymore and after that experience he gave his last reading and was really weak and could hardly this was in the fall of 1944 and his wife, I believe, asked the question, uh, how long should he rest? And Casey's response was, until he is well or dead. So, I mean, it didn't, uh, didn't look very promising even then, but he, he just wore himself out. Because of Casey, Kevin, I eat three raw almonds a day, and uh, it's supposed yeah. to prevent, not, not, he never said cure, but uh, it's supposed to prevent cancer. 
it's a, one of the things he recommended for cancer preventative. Also, you know, our diet is another thing he recommended. He, I think I've told you before, George, when we've talked that when I was in college, I had this horrible problem with allergies. I was allergic to every tree, bush, and shrub that grew in the state of Colorado <laughs> and got six allergy shots a week. And by working with the KC Information on Allergies, I don't even take pills anymore. So there's a wealth of information on all kinds of illnesses that people still access to this day. Kevin, did he have supernatural help? How did he do this? Well, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to write this book on aggregation on angels and angelic forces is because throughout his life, he talked about how uh, the angelic forces not only helped him, but helped all kinds of people. And he also talked about various guides that had uh, appeared from time to time in his life and had been helpful to him. So when he was little, I mean, the first angelic encounter that uh, is fairly well documented in a number of biographies. So when he was about 13, he had, uh, you know, he had been brought up in a very religious uh, upbringing, and so he had just finished reading the Bible, and he was alone in his room. The story sometimes says he was out in a field, but he was actually alone in his room, and all at once he heard, uh, saw a light and heard a woman's voice, and he thought it was his mother. And he looked up and saw it wasn't his mother, it was someone else, and he saw this angelic presence, and she said, tell me what it is you want so that we may give it to you. And he said he wanted to help people, especially children and people when they were sick. And uh, she disappeared, she smiled and disappeared, and he went to tell his mother what he had seen, and I think she probably thought it was imagination. Sure. But it was yeah. right after that that he was having a hard time with a spelling lesson, and his father, who was not the kindest man, got really upset with him and you know, basically yelled at him and uh, told him he better learn his spelling lesson or he was going to get in a lot of trouble. And Casey was so tired, he fell asleep on his spelling book. And when his father came back in the room, Casey had memorized the contents of the book, and the father only had to open the book and turn to any page in the book in case he could read verbatim every wow. word on that page. Now, you know, when I first heard that story, I, I used to get some books and I'd sleep on them to see what would happen, but other than getting a pain in my neck, I never <laughs> had any experience. But that's how it really all started. He, he, had, the, he had the helpers, didn't he? He had the helpers, he did. Do you think yeah. he could have done this without the helpers? Well, Interesting, think, isn't it? It's an interesting question. I think he would suggest that all of us have helpers, and that probably we all have a certain potential or capacity, and the more we rely on the spiritual forces, uh, the guides who would help us, we can do even more. But uh, I think he probably would have been psychic and he would have been able to do some things, but it was the angelic help, he would say, that was extremely advantageous for him in life. Was he a believer in reincarnation, Kevin? Uh, he eventually became one. He was not a believer at first. In fact, uh, from 1901 when the reading started until 1923, they were almost exclusively health because that's what he was known for. And then in 1923, a printer named Arthur Lammers had asked for a horoscope to see if Edgar Casey could, could do an astrological horoscope while giving a reading. And Casey gave the horoscope, and during that reading, Casey said that many of the same patterns that were happening in Lammer's life in the present had occurred previously when he had been a monk. And that really much was the first reference they recognized to reincarnation. Now, when Casey's secretary went back and looked through the readings after Casey had died, she found references as early as 1911, but they didn't understand what he was talking about. 
So when he had that experience, uh, it kind of troubled him, but the readings themselves told him to go back and read the Bible from cover to cover with the idea of reincarnation in mind, and he found literally dozens of biblical tells that suggest and prove reincarnation. Kevin Tedeschi with us, of course. Uh, his websites and the edgarcasey.org website are linked up at coasttocoastam.com. His latest book is called Edgar Casey on Angels and the Angelic Forces, which we will dive into after the break and uh, talk about that. When Casey was doing his readings for people, and he had, like you said, a scribe who was doing this, he actually then talked in his sleep, right? Well, when, when he was asleep on the couch, right, he would, he would uh, give the readings there asleep on the couch. His wife would be sitting next to him. She gave him the suggestions, generally. And his secretary, after 1923, was Gladys Davis. She would write down in shorthand everything he said and then later transcribe it. But, you know, when you think of sleep, though, you think, you know, you're knocked out. So he really wasn't knocked out, was he? Well, it, it was probably uh, an altered state of consciousness, but he described it as, you know, going into sleep. That's why they called him the Sleeping Prophet, I guess. Sleeping Prophet, exactly. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.